Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back for another OG show live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to, once again, the Bass Cag oh, Brother, this is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Palatine. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host, Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal. Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. Happy Season. here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey, guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Reel Down on Paddle and Fin. As you heard, the home of like 82 shows. Uh, tonight, Jimmy was a little bit busy, and I'm I'm straight out of the dining room. I'm doing some, uh, some work down in the basement in the computer kit area the rompous room so uh tonight since jimmy was busy i brought uh keith lambert he's one of, one of the hosts and the, the interviewer for the kfl and does such a good job i thought i'd have him on here how you doing man what's going on dan appreciate you guys having me on tonight yeah man tell everybody who you are well guys hey as you know keith lambert i'm just one of the guys one of the anglers uh i fish in the kfl a lot of the trail series uh we've been fortunate enough to know daniel for quite some time now and uh I so said I get to do some interviews for the KFL for these player player matches for post game, pre games, and uh, it keeps me tied into the anglers and what's going on around the uh, kayaking world. There you go. The man's rocking my trailer. I I, I kind of wish I had it back. Uh, yeah, like, listen, it's it has a solid home now. A solid home. <laughs> I hear you. All right. So tonight we we got a great show lineup. We have the uh, the top three as always. We always do a top three. Top three from the Fox and Wolf Rivers. The uh, yep, Fox and Wolf Rivers. Want to make sure that was right. Uh, the Hobie BOS event that just happened a couple weeks ago. We have Calvin D, Christine Fisher. Let me bring them on, and Guillermo Gonzalez. He's going to hop on here in just a minute. So, uh, how are y'all doing? Good. How are you? Doing good, Dan. Good. That. Thank y'all for being on. Really appreciate it. And that, you know, I know everybody's busy nowadays, but appreciate y'all being on. Uh, first, we'll start with you, Calvin. Man, you've never been on on before. Tell it by who you are. 
Chicagoland area. Um, I uh, went to college in Point, Wisconsin. Um, uh, good, good fishing school. Yeah, smack dab yeah. in the middle of Wisconsin. Yeah, um, I, I fished at Montevello. That was a uh, one, one of the great fishing schools up at Stevens Point for sure. Yeah, it's all natural resource related. A whole lot of people that fish and hunt is great school. Um, so I spent four years there. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I've been fishing since I was like six years old. So. Gotcha. Cool. And where, where exactly? And you live up in 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 Chicago area or in Wisconsin? Uh, I'm kind of bouncing around right now. I just graduated college. I got ah, the gotcha. Internship. All right. I'm heading back to Chicago very soon here. What do you go to school for? Natural resource planning. Cool. Well, that's interesting. That's a lot better than uh, some of the degrees, uh, you know, some uh, people leaving school with right now. Uh, I'm sure you'll do well, man. Uh, and Christine, we've had you on the show a few times before, but let's say there's something people don't know about Christine. What, what do you want them to know? Well, probably that I didn't grow up bass fishing. I'm a, I mean, I'm a muskie angler. I, I guess people kind of do know that, but I didn't really start aggressively bass fishing until about seven, six, seven years ago. It's kind of something God, people really expect. God bless you for having the patience to not catch a fish in a day. like <laughs> Or a to, week or a month. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. An, I've never caught one. That's crazy. But when, whenever I do see the videos yeah, of people doing it, yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. I've been been on several musky trips, and Christine, you, you're pretty fortunate. I am yet to land one at, at almost 40 years old. So uh, there's that. Keep casting, Keith. You just got to keep casting for them and keep a very positive attitude. Right, listen, that's the story every time we're out, right? That's right. All right. So I'll go ahead and go over the numbers here. Uh, Calvin, first place. You had the big, big bag both days, which is amazing in its own right. But uh, 91 and three quarter day one, 91 three quarter day two, and 183 and a half total. Christine, second place with 90 and a half on day one, 88 and three quarter on day two, and 179 and a quarter for the total. And Guillermo, 83 and a quarter, uh, 89 and three quarter, and then 173. So, so y'all were all right there, and everybody else 170 and below. So, y'all three really separated yourselves, and and Calvin. No, and 180 is it? That's amazing. Um, so, well, first, if, if y'all kind of want to set it up because it's not a place a lot of people know about, do y'all, one of y'all want to talk about just kind of the waters in general? I'll let Calvin. I mean, Calvin's, I think, probably most familiar out of all of us with that. And obviously, so I think let him kind of take this one and I'll fill in when I can. Cool. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the Wolf is a pretty unique kind of river. It's uh, deep at times. He almost. 30 feet deep on some of those uh, turns and swings there. Um, probably most known for uh, the sturgeon there. Uh, there's big lake sturgeon and wolf, and it's pretty cool to uh, spot in the spring. Um, but the Winnebago chain always has a whole bunch of tournaments on there. It's a very, uh, it's a pretty cool fishery. Um, but the wolf is definitely something unique. Um, it's not. Uh, like typical rivers, I'd say. I, 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 a lot of people caught fish, so I mean, it's it definitely fished pretty well compared to other events where, and this one you only had what 
three, four people who double zeroed. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty amazing fishery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really was. And I'll add to what Calvin was saying, you know, I, two years ago, G and I actually fished a section of the Fox river, um, closer, it was in Marquette County. So it was about 30 miles out of bounds, but we, I mean, I caught two 21 inch smallmouth. We caught a ton of largemouth. We're just blown away by this Fox river. So when I saw this on the tournament schedule, I was like, holy cow. Now that section we fished, like I said, wasn't anywhere near in bounds, but just looking at a map and seeing the diversity of the fishery, you had backwaters, you had industrial area, downtown Appleton, you had two rivers and a ton of tributaries off of those rivers. I mean, it, it was a super cool fishery, very unique. And I think G just got here. He did. Cool. Calvin, real quick about this fishery. I talked to Brian Delahunte, he's a friend of mine from here in Alabama. who made the trip up and fished it. And he, they did a they did floated both days. Um was was the was the fishing there pretty contingent on the current or, or was there a lot of uh, opportunities off those fingers in some kind of dead water areas? Um I found a decent amount of fish uh, kind of deeper in the, in the current. Um, at least in my area, they were kind of on a, on a sand flat. Uh, that's where I caught my fish at. But they were on uh, mostly rock. That's that's uh, where they mostly were. Um, I mean, that's all, that's all you can fish basically on the wolf. So yeah. rock. Well, Guillermo, th thank you for joining us, Matt. And I guess we'll do a little intro for you. If uh, you've been on a couple times now, if there's something people don't know about G, what is it? Uh, okay, so this is my question to answer. Um, something people don't know about me. Well, a lot of people don't know that I was born in the Caribbean. I'm really? Puerto Where at? I'm Puerto Rican. Oh, okay. Um, so a lot of people just, you know, I'm white. I speak pretty decent English. So a lot of people just assume that that I'm about as white as they come, and, and I kind of am, but uh, I was born in the Caribbean. I think that's kind of a cool fact, at least. And speaks beautiful Spanish fluently. When he does it, people that are from Puerto Rico are like, are, are you are you Latino? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, no way. You look American. <laughs> kind of blows people's minds sometimes. That's kind of yeah. cool. Very cool. So uh, I, I, I guess we'll talk about pre-fishing. Did uh, I, I know y'all two traveled together for this one? Uh, can you kind of talk about your pre-fishing and and what you saw? And I, I did have a question, uh, Christine, on on your video. And if everybody, if you don't follow Christine's YouTube, you should. Uh, that shame on you. But um, in your video, it really whenever you were talking about the different areas, you were talking about structure, and you talked about. Well, downtown structure, things like that, that looked like something you wanted to fish. I don't think I've ever went into an event and said, Ooh, wow, that really sets up like that looks like stuff I want to fish. I, I feel like maybe sometimes people try to be too versatile and I, I need to fish what looks best and not necessarily what suits me best. So, I, so I guess how did y'all decide where to go and, and just your pre-fishing? Well, I mean, First off, any time that he and I have only had to carpool together maybe two or three times in the last two years, and we really don't like doing that because we yeah. like this very different thing. So it we and we only had a day to practice. So having to kind of you know I dropped him off at an area um, to fish, and I went fish somewhere, and it's kind of a little bit of a logistical nightmare. But 
um, we both kind of had the same idea that, you know, the downtown, some of that stuff downtown, just looking at Google Earth and only having a day, the wolf and the fox, there were so many miles of fishing that I feel like with that stuff, it's kind of more you're looking for specific stuff and fishing kind of more spots, almost maybe rather than a pattern. I could be wrong. But with the downtown stuff, at least from what I was thinking, um, you know, there's always fish down there. And that stuff typically reloads. Tail, It's tailwater stuff. There's usually big fish. There's usually a lot of them. And it's very predictable if you know how to read moving water. So that's, I mean, I think that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know about you. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, I mean, I had a similar thought that that it was possible. And of course, you never know for 100% certain until you practice or until you get on a body of water. And it's crazy how sometimes the littlest rivers have the biggest fish. But um, in this particular scenario, uh, when her and I were talking, we kind of considered the fact that uh, there was a lot more uh, big water, a lot more places for smallmouth to grow big in uh, some of these downtown areas. And so we figured it was at least worth a look. And it was actually one of the first spots we went to. And um, we actually found out pretty quick that there were some big fish over there. And, and it was it was really a blessing because um, because we didn't have that much time to practice. So we were able knowing already that there were some good fish in there we were able to dedicate our time over there and the little time that we did have and, and we were able to use it well and we ended up finding some fairly productive areas the both of us and the both of us all wound up fishing i know i fished uh i fished in that tournament i fished three different pools of that section i didn't just fish one any i just one fished pool. one but yeah he was relaunching and running all over the place both days so wow what day? I mean, at least y'all one day of practice and you set right down on top of them. So it's a, that worked out great. Okay. Calvin, how about you? Had you had a lot of experience there already? I fished the, the wolf maybe twice. Um, so I didn't have a ton of experience. I did have a little more time pre-fishing. I probably got there. I think I got there early Wednesday. So I had a couple more days and Christine and Guillermo there. 
Um, but I didn't even look at the Fox. I mean, I, I guess I looked at the Fox points, but yeah, I didn't even look at the industrial area. I didn't, I didn't think to fish that. So, especially totally oh, now. Yeah, <laughs> you made the right call. Yeah. Did Did you find them? You found them pretty good in practice, though. Uh no, not really. Um, they were really scattered throughout the wolf. Um, I mean, I found some good fish. I I got some 19-inch fish. Um, but they were they were pretty far spread out, um, and I found a spot in pre-fishing um, that had a lot of shad to it, and it just seemed like the most active fish, the most amount of fish that I've seen, and uh, I figured out a little hole uh, first day of the tournament, and I just stuck with it. All right. So, yeah, but we'll go ahead and talk about day one, yeah, Guillermo. Day- Tell us what happened. Well, I uh, on day one, I launched in two different places um, and uh, in hopes that uh, I would give myself plenty of opportunities to find some good ones. Uh, my first area on it, it was very, very strange. I got to my first area and the water was ripping. And then and I, I was catching some small fish, was, which was a little different than how it had been in practice. And then all of a sudden, the water dropped a foot and a half. I, I can't explain it. They just dropped it, and the entire area that I was fishing was exposed rock. And there was zero current whatsoever. And then, I don't know how, but 40 minutes later, they went ahead and raised it that foot and a half again. And all of a sudden, when they raised it, the water got super dirty. And for like an hour, I didn't get a single bite. And then it seemed like things settled down. And all of a sudden, I caught three really good ones in a row. But I was kind of, I was kind of spinning out a little bit there. And I knew I had another area, but in that other area, I really only had one spot that I wanted to hit. So I actually uh, caught my entire limit for day one in that first area. I did move halfway through the day. I went to the second area, but unfortunately, uh, the second area didn't end up panning out for me. Um, and then because my first area wasn't as good uh, on day one, despite having a pretty solid limit there on day one, it still wasn't quite what I was hoping it would be from practice. So that's when I, I made a different decision to fish somewhere else on day two. Been doing this three and a half years. I've never heard that happen to anybody. That's crazy. It, it was nuts. And, and now I guess, you know, they might, it might've been one of those deals where they generate out of that particular dam and they stopped generating or they had to open a lock. And that, I, I have no idea how that happened, but literally um, I had some other competitors fishing that first area with me and they noticed it too. And it was just nuts. I mean, I've never had an area drop fluctuate that much all at once in the span of about two and a half hour, hours. Yeah, that can make it diff- that can make it extremely difficult Leading, leading into day one, guys, or Guillermo, since you're talking about your day one spot, <clears throat> how how did weather affect, or was there any weather changes that affect any of the like possible generation schedules, or was it uh, was it pretty consistent throughout the week leading into day one? It was fairly consistent throughout the week. It was it was very consistent. Um, the only time I ever really experienced uh, a change in water flow was in those two and a half hours on day one. All right. Well, Christine, how about you? 
Um, so I didn't have any expectations going to this tournament. I was still pretty jet lagged from Sweden and I mean, didn't even rig the night before. And typically I'm the one that's getting everything rigged out, very like, you know, structured in what I do kind of. It's annoying sometimes. Yeah. And I, I was, <laughs> I'm that person too. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm not rigging a single thing. I just, I'm just going to, it's, it's river smallmouth fishing. I'm going to throw a freaking bladed jig and a little finesse jig. And I, I didn't, you know, I caught a couple decent fish in practice, but the, I was just going to go fish and have a good time. And there was one other guy in my area. Um, and uh, I had a kind of a pretty specific pattern going. I was fishing real tight, some of those seawalls and retaining walls. And there were just some, I didn't really know the potential of where I was kind of fishing. Um, but it, it was pretty good. And I mean, I caught, I had a really good day. I mean, I, I had, I caught a lot of fish. I was catching 17s that wouldn't even help me, you know, throwing them back and just a lot of good fish. And the, the way those fish fought, I was completely blown away. They, I mean, they're better than eerie fish and susky fish. Um, it, I didn't expect to pull out 90 inches. I didn't really know what to expect, but um, I only had one other guy. Another guy came up about halfway through the day and fished in there too. Um, I think they both put up, I think one of them put up 80 and one of them put up 82 or so as well. So decent days also kind of in that area, but yeah, they're fishing a little different than I was. Is it, so is 180 kind of what y'all thought it would take to win? No, uh-uh. we were, uh -huh. I mean, Shoot, we, I mean, we were camping with a lot of our good friends and we, you know, we keep a lot tight to the chest. We always talk about what we think is going to win it just so we can kind of feel out how everybody's doing. And we were thinking 85 a day. That's pretty, 85 a day would have you in the top three. Um, we were thinking maybe 87 a day would probably win it um, for, I mean, that's typically what it takes on lacrosse. And from what, you know, we didn't hear much from a lot of people, but we didn't hear of anybody really smashing them or anything. So when we saw that, you know, when I put up 90 and a half and then I saw there were two guys ahead of me, I was like, holy cow, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And I heard you on the video, Drew, you know, Drew's going to catch him and that son of a gun, man. You fish a tournament against him, you know you're in trouble no matter what. Uh, I'm moving water for sure. Yeah. I'm not worried about him, but on, on a river, yeah, Drew's, he's always going to be a contender. Yeah, for sure. Calvin, how about you, man? Yeah, so on day one, I pulled up to my spot, um, and I started catching them on top water. They were blowing up on shad. And I thought I would have to have one rod in my hand, and that was top water, and just wait for them to blow up on shad because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get many other bites. Um, I was throwing a jig, throwing a chatterbait, whatever. Um, I finally downsized to like a little swim jig, and I could, I could feel them bumping it. Um, so then I finally downsized even further to like a small little three-inch uh, swim bait. That's when I caught those two real nice big ones. Um, but it, it, they were real. They were they were really finessey. It was it was weird. Like the the rain would start uh, pouring down, and they would turn on and start eating shad right away. Uh, I, uh, I caught those two big ones probably by 8:30, and I was probably done fishing. I got my limit probably by nine. Um, day one, pretty relaxed. I didn't, I didn't want to touch that spot because, you know, after you pull out two fish like that, you know, a good limit, uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to feed them up too well. So. And they, so you said you were fishing a deeper hole? I, I guess I call it a hole. It wasn't, it wasn't a deep, deep hole, um, but it was just a, it was just a pot of fish. It was just a school of, school of fish that were just sitting there. 
Um, there was another river coming into the, the Wolf there, the Shyak River. Um, and there's that little spot and they're just sitting there eating shad. Huh. There you go. And then you, and you caught them all on top water. Um, probably caught three on top water and then two big ones on that small little small swim. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Guillermo, your day two, man. Well, day two, like I said, I kind of changed my game plan and, uh, I went and fished an area that her and I actually got to practice in together. And um, I, what was funny was I didn't really know much about the area aside from the fact that it had some pretty good ones. And so I had to, that second day I had to kind of relearn it. And uh, I found a pretty good, one pretty good spot. It was actually crazy. Um, this spot had so many fish in it in terms of like species of fish. I, I don't think I've ever been to a spot where I've caught, I think, and this is not an exaggeration. I think I caught about 25 to 30 drum out of it. Wow. I caught about 11 walleyes, six or seven catfish and six or seven smallmouth. But it seemed like, but I caught one early on, I caught one really nice smallmouth out of it. So it just kept me casting. And I, and I had to keep mowing it. It was getting to the point. I was actually like getting kind of tired of my arm was exhausted because I was getting a bite dang near every cast from some kind of fish. It was insane. It was actually really fun for a while, but then it got really aggravating. Um, and uh, I fished there for a little while. And then, like I said, I kept, I honestly just kind of started junk fishing. I started covering water and just fishing whatever looked fishy. And uh, it was a very exhausting day. I spent the majority of my day paddling up the river and fishing up the river. So it was a, it was a really exhausting day. But it, um, that was, I think, with what I had seen from my day one spot, I think that was definitely the right call. You still in that Diablo? Yes, sir. Yeah. I got one, too. Are you ever going, are you ever going to get something else? Um, you know, I've thought about that and, and, and I love my boat and, but, uh, there are scenarios where, you know, there's definitely, you know, not, not yeah. every, not every one boat is perfect for every one situation. Yeah. And, uh, there will definitely be scenarios in the future where, you know, I might find myself and I might fish in a different boat. And, and I've done that a time or two before where it just, you know, wasn't conventional to fish out of my Diablo, but I love that boat so much and I have such yeah. a hard time letting go of it. He really does. <laughs> um, I, I mean, in my personal opinion, it's, it's, it's as far as like hole design, you know, it's definitely got its, its strengths and weaknesses, but dang, like, I think as far as hole design and, and fishability, it's one of the best boats ever made. Yeah, for sure. I, I love mine. I, I put my kid on the front. It's if anybody's just looking for like a straight paddle kayak, you know, it's kind of like, it's it's a do everything kind of kayak. It's man, I, I it's crazy how they haven't kind of been more successful. I know they're big in Texas and a few different outfitters around the country, but it's it's such a great boat. I I don't know why it doesn't. You know, more people don't look at them. Yeah, and you know, I I think you know, I think in the future as time goes on, hopefully more and more people will get their hands on them and it'll help them grow. They're they're a very small company. And yeah. being such a small, small company, I mean, if it's probably, I mean, it's the smallest cat company that I know about um, in the amount of boats they actually produce. So, um, 
I think over time, I hope I hope to see them continue to grow. Great customer service as well. I, I broke something on it, and they sent me a new one. Didn't even charge me. So get good people there too. Happy to hear that. Yeah. All right, Christine, your your day day two. Well, my day two. I, I mean, I, that, that night I felt pretty good. I probably only need to throw two rods. Um, it's it's kind of cool to hear Calvin say he's getting top water to go because man, I tried to force it on day one, and that's a that's a river fishing smallmouth 101 bait, and I I didn't even get a a single sniff on top water either either one of the two days. So that was pretty cool to hear that it was going on somewhere. Um, but I went and started did the same thing, kind of had a rotation I was doing on spots. Uh, one of the guys ended up sitting on what I thought was probably my best spot for several hours but you know Saw that. I, yeah it, it did but you know what um i've been doing this a long time and and it, he what he was doing wasn't illegal and i figured you know what i can go i'm gonna figure out how to catch him anyway on something else i'll let him have it that's fine I ain't gonna ain't gonna really affect me at all and i went on to keep catching him um and basically did the same thing just ran ran those big sections of like, a couple hundred yard sections of wall i was fishing and then uh, a little ledge going across one of those and I just kept rotating, fishing some bridge pilings a little bit too and making it all work. Why, why do you think they were that tight to the wall like that? I, um, saw, I saw it was ridged. Were they like inside the ridges? Yep. That's just a lot of times that's how the bigger fish will position. I mean, you have, that's why, I mean, it's not, it wasn't super easy to, uh, to get those real big bites. You had to be fishing so tight that wall and you'll see it on a lot of tail race systems. People that fish those big you know, that five inch swim bait, um, real tight to the walls on the, on the Tennessee river system lakes, that's a bite. And you have to, it's a very specific cast and a very specific way to, to work that bait. Uh, I was waking that chatterbait a lot. And, um, like I said, making contact with the wall as often as I could. And a lot of times trying to get it to hit that wall would trigger their reaction. Um, but that's just a, they, a lot of times that's just how they set up is real tight to that wall. And if you make a cast a few inches off of it, you're not going to get that bite. My theory is that at that point, once that, once that bait is against the wall, it's a lot easier for, for that, for that fish to pin that, that bait down and eat it as opposed to where it's a little bit, if it's a little bit further off the wall, it's a little easier for the, for the bait to get away. So small mouth isn't as likely to even try, but if a small mouth think that it's got it, it's got it pinned, it's going to, yeah. it's going to go for it. Huh. Never thought about that way. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, not, not to talk about another kayak, but I have a Hobie 180. That's, you know, my paddle and my pedal kayak. And you were fishing one of those scenarios with current against a wall. And it's like, I'm, I'm always kind of, do I get the 360? Do I get the 180? I've seen your video on it. But in that scenario, I mean, the 360, there's no other kayak that could have done that. No, there really isn't. And, you know, I know there's, there's the 360s had its fair share of issues. I, I, I had plenty of them last year, um, but they are making improvements to it. And the thing is, once you fish in that kayak, there is no going back to 180. I mean, I've, I've had to do it. You can still use the 360 when something breaks on it as a 180 and you almost feel handicapped. You know, I hate to say it, but it, especially in river and current situations or any type of wind, that 360 is, it's, it's on a completely different level i gotta say from my perspective it's pretty fun to watch her fish in that 360 the way she can kind of twist and turn turn around and she can hit something sometimes from from angles that other boats can't um because she can so quickly set up that cast as opposed to having to make that long loop around to make that cast again it's it's pretty fun to watch sometimes yeah and that i think i mentioned in my video 
I didn't expect the water to be that shallow there. I figured downtown would be deeper, but my entire day I fished in a foot and a half or less. A lot of it was a foot deep and it, the water was moving so fast. And if you had any other type of drive, you weren't fishing where I was. You had to have a Hobie because I was constantly just like this fluttering as hard as I could to get up and, you know, inches of water, or you could have paddled it. But the prop drives, unless you were paddling, you, you weren't able to fish where I was fishing. It's, it's crazy. Uh, this isn't like a Hobie show, I promise. No, but like whenever you get in a Hobie, it's the biggest kayak I've ever had. I had a Titan 12, so it's probably not that it's probably right there on par with weight, but it's also the best shallow water pedal kayak I've ever had. It's, it's crazy how it goes together like that for people that, you know, the horizontal rod storage, there's a bunch of great benefits to it. But I, I was, I think the one thing I was more surprised than anything for anybody that hasn't been at Hobie was just how capable it is in shallow water. Yeah. And Calvin, how about your day one, man? Yeah, you're you're two two ninety one and three quarter biggest bags of the tournament, and you did it both days. Uh, was it was it the yeah? Seriously, yeah, no man. doubt, nice fishing, absolute nice fishing. Yeah. To, to to go up against this, you know, that lineup, and to have the biggest bag on both days, that's man, you can you can you know that write that in. Yeah, that that's that's something to hold on to for the rest of your life. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I mean that's just I never would have thought, you know. Um, yeah, day, day two, I went back to that same spot. Um, it was definitely a little bit different because you didn't have the, you know, the rainstorms or whatever, the clouds uh, coming over you. Um, but same thing, top water in the morning, um, you had to cast right, right to those fish. You know, you'd see a, a shad start dancing across the water and you had to cast right to it. Um, that was the only way I could get some of those bites. Um, I was a little bit worried in the morning though, cause I was getting a whole bunch of small fish, a bunch of 14 inches on those sweets. Um, I had, to, I had to change it up. I had to start using a hair jig and a flatworm. Um, and that seemed to get some of my, some of my better bites. Um, I definitely had to play with those fish a little bit longer on day two. I think I, I think I was done fishing around maybe 11 or 12 that day. Um, but you know, it's still the same thing. Just poking at those at those school fish, just trying to get them to bite. Well, I can ask both y'all, you and Christine, what is it about the flatworm and smallmouth? Man, they just love it. They just love it. <laughs> How were you fishing it, Calvin? I'm curious. Uh, I was kind of hopping it. Um, they were they were they're on a sand flat, so they were kind of suspended almost. Um, and they, I was just hopping it along, um, and they, you know, just, it would just come up and. Were you also on a drop shot? No, so the flat, one, the flat one was on the back of the hair jig. Oh, okay. That's that's what I was uh, okay. That's what I was wondering. I wonder if he was putting it wow. on the hair jig or if he was because yeah. I've I've heard of people actually putting it on a wacky rig and fishing it like that. Um, and I was like, I wonder how he was doing that. But yeah, I've actually heard of another one or two people that have fished it on a hair jig. That's really cool. Yeah, I just I just knew I had to do something goofy to you know trigger some fish. Yeah. I actually. I actually invited two other anglers to fish right next to me because um, I, I, you know, I already had a limit. I already had, you know, probably over 80 inches by uh, 830 or whatever. Um, and I was still catching fish right next to them. Um, and they were kind of surprised. But, yeah. It's really cool. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. 
develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Guys, I know G and Christine both, I've fished both a couple live events with you guys. Calvin's obviously haven't had a chance to fish with you yet, but talk about versatility like you always have something obviously your strong suit but at where where at in this tournament do you feel like you had to go to something you're not super familiar with or was your strong suit something that you were able to do the entire tournament well i think you know just one fact about tournament fishing in general is that every now and then you just got to be willing to completely scrap your plan and uh that's something that you have to train your head to do a lot of people don't start tournament fishing with the ability to do that. And I know that's something that I kind of had to do halfway through day two. I decided, well, I'm, I think I'm about out of fish and I got to go and fish totally new water. And that's what I did. And, and I actually, you know, it ended up, didn't end up working out that well for me, but uh, I did hook two fish that, that would have really pushed me even further. It wouldn't have pushed me ahead of anyone else. Um, but it, it, it sure, it dang sure would have made me happy to catch those fish, you know? Um, but nonetheless, uh, I think a big part of versatility is just, uh, versatility up here. Um, anybody can go out and when the drop shot bites good, learn how to throw a drop shot. When the swim jig bites good, learn how to throw a swim jig. But, um, if in your head, you can't be willing to abandon something that worked at one point because it's no longer working, uh, you kind of have to train your head for that. And, uh, that's the biggest thing I have to say to anyone who's trying to really grow as a tournament angler. And, and I even have to work on it and I have to work on it all the time. Uh, and I have to convince myself constantly, but I've had so many tournaments where it's worked out to just be willing to leave everything aside and start over and, and almost like start practicing there during the tournament. So that, that's kind of my take on that. I know it wasn't like a direct answer to your question, but uh, it's it's an important point regarding versatility for me. No, that's well, a, that, that's like the best advice you can give anyone. I mean, just just to, absolutely to, to be in that learning mode rather than the the fishing the old stuff mode. Just always trying to find something new, or always, you know, that bite was yesterday, that bite was last hour. Where are they doing now? What's in front of me? Rather than, you know, I just. Think- yeah. I think best tournament anglers in the world learn how they're going to catch them the day of the tournament. They see what they need to see in practice to kind of prepare them for whatever decisions they might have to make later on in the tournament. But I think the best tournament anglers in the world figure out how to catch them the day of. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a pretty spot on answer G like, uh, you know, versatility doesn't always have to mean, you know, going from a bait caster to a spinning reel to a certain type of, uh, a lure or a sack or a presentation, 
by saying the mentality you have to be most versatile mentally, uh, you, you're correct. Because um, you can be comfortable throwing 100 different things if you don't know what you're seeing or when to when to make the decision to change, and you're kind of stuck in the mud. And there's always, you know, woulda, coulda, shouldas in tournaments, and sometimes you're going to make that decision to do something totally different, and it's not going to work out. But I'm going to tell you, when it does work out, it's pretty dang cool. When you can just tell you, when you can totally scrap a plan and put a new plan together on the water, it's kind of a good feeling. Yeah, to, to 83 and a quarter day one to scrap what you were doing, go to a different area, 98 and three quarter day two. That's awesome, man. I didn't quite have that high of a limit, but I wish I did. <laughs> yeah, 89 and three quarter, right? <laughs> Uh, oh. I could have sworn you said 98 and three quarter. Oh, no, 89 and three quarter. I'm sorry. 98 yeah. and three quarter. No, my, my bad. No, you're good, man. You're good. I'm just making a funny. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I, it's, it sounds like great event. Uh, everybody caught fish, as always, I'm sure. Hobie ran it great. And uh, I appreciate what you do, what you did down when you follow, leading a group. Uh, another great thing about any Hobie event, it's always going to have, you know, just just people who are interested in the anglers and not just how they're doing at a tournament. It's it's a great community. And if somebody's never had the opportunity to fish a Hobie event, even if you don't think you're going to, you know, beat Christine, Guillermo, or Calvin, still go out there, put in your money and, and just be a part of a great event. Um and but at this at the end of end of every show, we want to give everybody a shout out. Any sponsors or anybody that makes fishing just easier uh for you and your mom. I'll, I'll holler at my wife. She's right over there. She makes it easier for me. Calvin, how about you, man? Yeah, I'll give a shout out to the uh, KBL crew back in Illinois. Um, I think my parents, they've always been supportive. Um, that's about it. There you go. Guillermo? Well, I mean, I can't tell if she makes fishing easier or harder for me. do. <laughs> <laughs> I think some days she makes it easier and some days she makes it harder, but I think most of the time she makes it easier. So I always have to thank her for her encouragement because she gives me a whole lot of it. And it's, it's encouragement that I can't get from anyone else. And I'm so thankful for it. But um, in this particular tournament, I made a mention to the, I made a mention of this in the post tournament thing is like I said, I paddled up river dang near the entire tournament. Um, and uh, I used the Warner powder, excuse me, the Warner paddles Caliste and uh golly that paddle is incredible um it is, it's the lightest and shockingly it's the most durable paddle i've ever had i i am yet to 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 really like damage one myself it's it's kind of crazy um so like for for people that think that a carbon fiber paddle is, is just going to be easier to break i'm telling you it's worth every bit of the investment because it's i actually haven't really been able to break it and it's incredible the benefits that you gain from having a really stiff paddle blade and having a very lightweight paddle. I also want to thank Fish USA. They got me some gear at the last minute really quickly. If you guys are ever in a pinch, um, check them out and they'll get you taken care of. I've ordered stuff from them. They do ship really, really quick. Really yeah. quick. Yeah, it seems like anything I get from them, it, it shows up a day or two earlier than when I thought it was going to. Yeah. Christine, how about you? Um, I'll just echo what G said. I've always got to thank him. Have somebody that loves to fish as much as I do. Um, it's, it's 
kind of a big blessing, and I love. I love well, she better her. thank me because I convinced her to go to Wolf and Fox. <laughs> I, I had zero, and I was very okay with where my AOI was. I did not want to go to Wisconsin. I was, and c- c- congrats at Worlds too. Thank you. Yeah, that was yeah, amazing. great finish. Yeah, it's been a really cool couple of weeks, but yeah. So G talked me into going, and he he kind of got me motivated to get up there, and then let me go up to my favorite spot in the country two days after the tournament and fish. So. That was really cool. Um, Got to thank uh, you guys for having us all on. Um, it's it's really cool that a lot of the podcast groups, you know, showcase the anglers that showed out and uh, all the people that fished the tournament, friends and family that support all of us. I mean, we can't we can't do it without them first and foremost over anybody, any sponsor. And I want to give another shout out to Calvin. Um, that was literally one of the most incredible things. I love Dude. when local guys another show balance. out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's cool. Like you know. We a lot of us fish a lot of big national events and do well. And um, one of the coolest things is that we all started somewhere too. And to see the local guys come out, I remember my first event where no one really knew who I was, and I did good, and I didn't win it, but I got third, and I was like, yeah, like let's go. And just having having local guys show out against everybody and just surprise people is awesome. And there are a lot of people that talk about losing big fish and they should have won. They should have, man don't do that. Like, don't take away from people that want it. He probably lost a lot of big fish, you know, like he straight up earned it. And I think that's really cool. And I'll shout out one of your sponsors, 10 cup whiskey. I'm looking at it. Some good stuff. So get get you some of that. <laughs> yeah. But all right. Thank y'all. Yeah. Y'all have fun. We appreciate you being on and good luck the rest of the year. Thank you. Lord, guys. Thank you, man. I had a great time with y'all. Thank y'all. Congrats, yes. Calvin. Thanks. All right, now I'll go over some of these uh, tournaments from last week here. Jimmy didn't, uh, he wasn't on the show, but he's still, his wife still did all of it. So shout out, shout out to Kristen for that. Putting in work. Yeah, I know. She didn't even, uh, he wasn't even on show and she still did it. That's awesome. Uh, first, you had Iowa kayak anglers on Lake Belvedere. That's in Sigourney, Iowa. So uh, yeah, watch out for aliens. Uh, 25 anglers, five fish limit, small one. We'll go over it though. First place, Joe Bailey with 84 and a half. Steve Nielsen Jr. with 82 and three quarter. And Ethan Butler in third with 81 and three quarter. Uh, Ontario Bass Nation Kayak Bass Master Championship on Chandos Lake. Uh, they had two day tournament, 50 anglers. This was the championship. Uh, Chris Visser with 165 won it. Justin Aram, Aram with. 162 and three quarter and Paul Buchan or B-U-C-H-A-N. Sorry if I mispronounce your names. I'm I'm a, I'm not the brightest guy. Had a 157 and a quarter. Michigan Kayak Trail State Championship. They were on Grand River. Two-day tournament, 85 anglers there as well. Tim De, Tim DeSmith, the third. He, I'll tell you what, he had he won like 10 grand. So yeah, I know if I were in the Michigan Kayak Trails area i would be fishing at he won a nar he won um line and fab works trailer and some other like it was ten thousand dollars worth of stuff and that's amazing for any grassroots trail absolutely i mean i don't i don't know what kind of work they're putting out to get those kind of sponsors those kind of deals but great work by the trail and congratulations to that angler for sure like uh irons i love iron city but you get a little bit of money and a trophy with us uh not a trailer and a kayak and yeah, that, you might not awesome. even get a tra- trailer for river region. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but Tim DeSmith, the third, he won with one sixty-seven and a half. and a half. Um, Michael Olger, 
OLGER with 164 and three quarter, and Bruce George with 157 and three quarter. Tennessee Bass Nation, my boy, that was on chick. Uh, old Coosa Kingfisher himself, 107 Jordan anglers. Marshall. Yeah, Jordan with 181 and a quarter. He held off Ewing Minor in second with 179 and three quarter, and he had that 25. That was amazing. Yeah. And uh, old Adam Riser, another, I mean, three of the best anglers in Tennessee, 172 and a, and a quarter. And then Tennessee Valley kayak anglers, they were in also at the same, they were in Chattanooga at the same time. Yeah. It was a three fish tournament though, 42 anglers. Gerard Johnson with 57 inches. Adam Riser went with 56 and three quarter. And Charles Armstrong with 55. So he got a little double dip there. Yeah, Paris, uh, didn't, Paris Edwards didn't have a great weekend this weekend. I was speaking to him, I guess, uh, early Monday. He said, it, you know, found a lot of fish, but it was tough. So congratulations to those guys that were able to find them. Yep. Uh, Yak and Grass on Gunnersville. They had 27 anglers. Brian Delahunty, your uh, Alabama Hairmark guy right there, hit 94 and a half inches. That was a, a heck of a day for him. Well, uh, he, he was on them too, uh, Danny. I mean, he caught, he caught 18, 19 fish. I mean, it was – quite impressive to be fishing, you know, within a couple hundred yards of him and keep seeing what he was putting up. Yeah. Chris Cook with 85 and a quarter and you had another reason to have you on show. You had 84 and a half. So congrats to you, man. And Joe, he, he runs a good trail. He does. He does. Uh, you know, uh, it's been a while since he ran one. They were trying to get everything worked out for this KBF ambassador series. Uh, a lot of good communication, clear cut rules, you know, and, and really just good, uh, Good fellowship with the gentleman out there on the water and a, a lot of fun. Uh, I got lucky and put together a 21 and a half right there within the last hour to uh, to take big fish and get me in the third. But, uh, again, I was on fish with Brian all day. I just never could get the size. Mm. Uh, kayak anglers of western Pennsylvania. They were on Lake Arthur. 51 anglers. Nate Hall won that with 95 inches. Joe Patterson in second with 82 inches. And Justin Brown with 78 and three quarter. Uh, Oklahoma kayak anglers, they were on Fort Gibson, 47 anglers. Wong, Hua Wong, Hua Zhang, I'm sorry, H-X-I-O-N-G. I think that's Hua Zhang with 80, 88 inches. Luke Arian with 87 and a quarter. And Alex Shakar with 77 inches. Central States Kayak Series, Omaha Roadrunner, 31 anglers. Bobby Rubick with 85 inches, Sam Burke with 82 and a half, and Rick Valdez with 80 and a quarter. Colorado kayak fishing, they were on horse tooth. Uh, 40 anglers, James Malcolm won with 78 and a quarter, Joshua Gardner with 75 and a quarter, and Scott Brands with 75 inches. And last but not least, and but most of the trails, they all had over 25 anglers. We usually do 35. Uh, Cincinnati Kayak Fishing Flowing Water Event, the statewide in Ohio, 62 anglers. Uh, Ryland, Ryan Moore with 81 and three quarter. Jim Henrich with 81 and a quarter. And Travis Williams in third with 78 inches. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, 
Shop MidwayUSA.com. But that's it, man. I, I appreciate you co-hosting with me tonight. I appreciate you having me on. And hey, listen, don't let's uh let's don't sell you all guys. I mean, you mentioned Jordan Marshall. Man, uh, what an impressive season for you and your teammates with the Coosa Kingfishers. Uh, congratulations to you guys on wrapping up the number one seed. Uh, and good luck, good luck this coming weekend going into the playoffs. You guys, uh, it looked like to be hosting hosting a bunch of matches on Neely Henry. And uh, I wish you guys the best of luck and safety out there. Yeah, appreciate it. I didn't say it, but I won because they, they didn't announce it last week. I won the right. MVP for the South this week. Also, so. congratulations on that. That was a hell of a win for you guys at, at, yeah. at the Florida Conference. Big win. You had a great day. Um, like I say, I mean, what what more can be said for you and, and the rest of the guys at the Coos Kingfisher? Congratulations again. Nothing against him, but I – Whenever, because I love Okeechobee, I went there whenever I fished in college. Um, it was supposed to be Chuck, his grandma, grandpa, grandmother died, so he couldn't be there. He had fished Okeechobee. Um, Dustin, he had been to Okeechobee, and Nick hasn't, but we we helped him out. And um, I, whenever they put us on Okeechobee, I was like, "This is a mistake. They yeah. should not. They should have put us on Tenor Rock or some, you know, somewhere that's." There's more variables. Whenever you put it on Okeechobee, you have to play the wind. So it's right. going. To, there's only certain areas where it's going to be good. So I looked where the wind was going to be during a tournament. I didn't, you know, I fished the area where it was coming out of in the south. And, you know, and that's what happened. That's how I found the fish. So it, it wasn't like I did anything crazy. I caught four of them on wacky rig. It was it was a tough day. Yeah. A six-inch six wacky rig. It, it was dip, really, really difficult out there caught one on a toad in the morning and the rest on whack, wacky rig on structure so it was a it was tough for sure but you know i'm i'm glad we won it and we're sending our guys to south carolina this weekend so we'll we're, we're sending some great guys we'll see how that goes absolutely because palmetto is i mean they're as legit as anybody and we don't want to see them back at home so well they are on a hot streak too so uh, yeah so I mean, the, we're, our guys are seriously going there to try to play spoiler because we don't want to see him again at home. Like that's we're on the that's legit. We're on the G this weekend against the Natural State Eagles, and after this past weekend, I feel uh, the Alabama Hammers should feel really confident about the opportunity to uh, play spoiler for them and play mix up on the uh, the playoff standings coming up. So, heck yeah, man! Good luck. Appreciate it. Are you fishing this weekend? I am. I am indeed. Awesome, man. Good. Good luck. Be safe out there. Appreciate it. All right. Well, we appreciate y'all watching as always. If you can go ahead, uh, like, and, you know, subscribe to our podcast, or if you watch us on YouTube, wherever it is, we really appreciate y'all watching, but uh, y'all be safe on the water as always wear your PFDs and uh, what we'll see y'all next week. Later. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. 
If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddlingfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures, your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.